Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, Rom Criminals. If you are interested in some fun bonus Rom Crime content, check out our Patreon. You're going to go to www.patreon.com backslash Rom Crime for some super fun, awesome bonus content. See you there. criminals out there what's up guys hi guys did you know that this is our 46th episode crazy i can't believe we've done 40 well we're about to do 46 yeah. of these this is like so i'm really proud of us i, I have know. to be honest we have learned so much over this, the course of this season first our first season we've decided we're gonna make it an even 50 50 yeah. episodes for season one season one will be a cool 50 episodes that's right so four more after this one i hope you guys have been enjoying it please get a hold of a friend that you think might enjoy this yes tell them to check us out check us out we got they have 50 to catch up on before we start our second season which mm-hmm. you guys we're not saying anything yet but i it's am gonna be so fun i'm so excited i'm so proud of us i mean I i'm such a brat but i'm like this is like we've got the next no we, we figured some stuff out we came up with some ideas yes. and i love the idea of a specific season that we will share you know as it gets closer to actually being a thing that you can listen to as of right now it's just a beautiful idea that we will realize but mm-hmm. we are, we're gonna tease it out a little longer that's right but yeah you got four more episodes after this one for season one tell a friend tell them they've got so much awesome stuff to catch yeah, up on absolutely guys hi i'm vanya i'm the rom which stands for romantic that's if you right were she's wondering. the romantic yeah. and i'm avrin and i'm the crime which does not mean that i'm a criminal she's not it just means that i'm the one who really 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 loves true crime that's true and in the in the span of this year, these so far 46 episodes, I have become someone who also is, I think it scares me, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, she is. She's yeah, in, me. you guys. She, uh, she's in. I knew she'd be in too. Yeah. And um, this is Rom Crime. That's right. This is our true crime comedy podcast that has... Romantic wheel marks. <laughs> nope. 
Mm-mm. Never is. Never I is. I love it. Skid- Roman- I almost said skid marks, skid marks, but that's kind of... That would have been better. That's like- <laughs> With romantic skid marks. <laughs> Interpret that however you will. <laughs> hey, everybody's into... Who knows? That's right. Like, I just really... I just want to meet a man right. with some skid marks. It just turns me right on. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for no, that. that's yucky. But uh, there are skid marks. Not yes. of that variety, but in this story. And what's t- funny to me about the story, Vanya, so when we were recording last time, we realized we hadn't picked one. So we we're both just scouring the internet. Yeah. And I saw something that was like, beauty queen runs over husband. And I was like, let's, what is yeah, that? Yeah, that sounds fun. So we kind of briefly skimmed it and we're like, let's do it. That sounds great. Um, I always love a good beauty queen goes crazy story or yeah. something like that. Yes. And then in my research, I found an article that like takes the story that we're going to tell, but then expands it out a little bit to include a couple other rom-crimey weird things that happen. So just to start, before we get into it, I want to read you guys a quote that was the opening like lead quote for an article titled Suburban Madness written by Skip Hollinsworth, which just made me so happy because that's like Blanche Devereaux's maiden name from Golden Girls. And I was like, <laughs> I'll never forget it. Skip Hollinsworth might even have been her kid's name or something in the show. Yeah. Um, and it was an article in Texas Monthly, again, titled Suburban Madness. Oh, Suburban Madness. Yes, and you know, is. as the suburbanites are, are telling you right now, madness is afoot. So... <laughs> <laughs> So this is the quote from the article written by Skip Hollinsworth. Why would a devoted wife deliberately run over her beloved husband three times? It's quite simple, really. He was having an affair with a woman accused by her allegedly pill-popping ex-husband of carrying on a lesbian relationship with her best friend, whose ex-husband has now been indicted for an illegal wiretapping scheme designed to catch the two in the act and cover up his own infidelities with her former Lamaze class buddy. Any questions? So many I mean, questions. I have a lot of questions. You thought we were just going to talk about Dr. Uh, Clara and David Harris today, and I'm... I've sprung some new characters on you. I did. And maybe a little Gail Bridges, but oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. No, I did not read that article, but I'm I told very, her not to. Yeah, once I'm I found excited. It. I had watched two little documentary things and then also read different like Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. Yes. Um, I also just, I donated $5 to Wikipedia. Yeah, that's a thing. I we need everyone out there who uses Wikipedia, or if you like the show and we want to keep using Wikipedia, yeah, I guess donate what you can. I know. I'm like, I'm not working, but I still felt like I could give them five bucks, but whatever, because we use them a lot. Yeah, for everything. And also, it's not always accurate, but whatever. (laughs) Well, it is written. It's crowdsourced information. Crowdsourced information. But we do love Wikipedia. So yeah, we. This is the story about Clara. Well, her maiden name was Juarez, right? Yes. And she becomes Clara Harris, but not just yet. She was described as a very nice, easy to talk to person, very sweet. Um, she was born in Bogota, Colombia. Bogota, Colombia. I only know that because my friend Mike, and he memorized the capitals for every country. And mm-hmm. There's anyways, a song, right? There's a song, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the capital of Colombia. And so... Her father, when she was six years old, is killed, right? Do you know if he was murdered? I think he was murdered because here's the thing. This is Columbia in the... In the 80s? Yeah, in the 80s. Or if not earlier, late 70s. Okay. Because she... And it was was getting bad over there because of our episode... Oh, God. What was it? Episode five or six? 
Griswolda yeah. or Griselda. Griswolda. Griselda Blanco. Yeah. I don't think it was episode uh, six or seven because we've been doing those poll quotes on Instagram and I yeah. don't remember listening to that one yet. That's our next one after... We just did Natalie Wood. I know and I have to do uh, the House of Horrors, which is honestly my least favorite one, but it's fine. House of Horrors. Okay, sorry. We digress, guys. But thanks for being fans and knowing exactly what we're talking about. Um, okay, so so she, her father, apparently he was like really encouraging to her. A big part of their, he had a big job. He was, they were wealthy at the time and or as wealthy as you could be. And maybe not as wealthy, but like they were fine in Colombia. And he always encouraged her, you know, do what you want to do, set your goals. You know, it was kind of, I don't know. Anyways, he passes away and the family kind of crumbles because they have no money. Right. They, she sees growing up from six years old how hard her mother has to work and kind of makes a vow that she's never going to have to be put in that situation. How easy it can all be taken away. Yes, exactly. For, and a forensic science, uh, psychiatrist who I was watching on the ID Discovery show called Unraveled about it, which, by the way, not great, but it's fine. Um, he, <laughs> None of them are all that great. They're it's just true. they're just weirdly entertaining. So, so that's the interesting thing. I have never watched the Unraveled, but Unraveled on ID Discovery, it's all reenactments. Ooh. So these actors were acting, and I have some thoughts. I have some feelings, very strong feelings. And then I'd I very also, much like to do that someday. Uh, you should, and yeah. you will. Um, we have to make that happen, right? Like instead of being actors, we could be reenactors. Oh yeah, <laughs> and these guys were acting their fucking balls. I off. bet they were. So, um, but anyways, so the forensic scientists on this show believe that her father's passing at six years old affects the rest of her life, of course, right? And after her father's death, her mother had to work very hard. So she, they migrate, migrate, immigrate, immigrate. Thank you to the U.S. She finds herself in Houston, Texas, in 1988, and she's cleaning her cleaning houses and puts her herself through dental schools. So she's described as one of those people who's kind of, I don't know, it sort of seems a little like borderline OCD, but she makes goals and like gets it done. like robotic force moves towards those goals and gets them done. So she um, works her ass off. She becomes a dentist. Um, Let's see, I wrote high standards and would be very uncomfortable when things won't go her way. Mm -hmm. But because of her hard work, she's successful and becomes a dentist. And she hopes one day to find the perfect partner. Now, they kind of glossed over that she was married before. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was married before. I really got trapped in the suburban madness article. I can't wait. I can't wait. No, but so she was, they didn't really go into it, but she won Mrs. Columbia. Houston. Houston. Yeah, which I thought was weird. I didn't know that like Houston has a beauty pageant, like a local beauty pageant where you are like from this country, but now living in Houston. And yeah. she won Mrs. Columbia Houston. Yeah, exactly. But and I'm was like, it's there are multiple Columbia Houston contestants. I don't know, but maybe she won the whole thing. I hope so. As Mrs. Yeah. Columbia so Houston. she was really beautiful and she had red hair. Yeah. She was and like a little beauty mark. Yeah. She was super cute. Her friends described her as like when they were all taking a picture, she was the most beautiful, beautiful one in the group. And I mean, I've seen pictures. She's fine, but whatever. <laughs> I love it. We're usually like, they're fine. Um, I don't know. And then sometimes they're RJ and they're more than fine. Um, continue. I'm enjoying okay, this. So then now they're, okay, so when she's 32 years old, so one one thing on her list is to now find the perfect partner. So she's got her job. She's got everything. Now she wants to have kids and have a family. At 32, she meets also 32-year-old David Harris. 
he was an orthodontist and she was doing her like residency or whatever that is. She found him to be kind, gentle and loving. And he was really charismatic. Kind of folksy, I heard. Like his favorite word was golly. Oh, dear God. Which also just ends up pissing me off. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was As we honestly go it. just side note. After I did this research, I think I was like pissed at my husband for a while. And I was like, why am I so mad at you? You'll yeah, find out. Because- I was doing this research intermittently on my wedding anniversary. <laughs> oh, so it was like, James walks the dog. I start reading more of this crazy article. And then yeah. he would come back in and I'd like slam it shut and be like, I was just hanging out here yeah. waiting for you, love. <laughs> <laughs> Happy four year anniversary. Happy four years. Um, let's see. So yeah. So David likes that he, that she is beauty, a beauty queen and she, he encourages her to do more and all this stuff. They fall in love. They believe that they have found the perfect partner. Mm-hmm. He was also married before. And, yes, and has a daughter. Yes, and a daughter who was... Her name is Lindsay. That's right. And she was, at the time, I want to say she was younger when they first met, but... Well, she... When the incident we're going to talk about takes place, it's 2002. She's 16. Right. They get married in 92, which that's is... Correct. So she would have been six. That's right. That's right. And they show cute pictures. But before... um Clara marries um, David. David had no relationship with his daughter because who knows why. I like to think he might have been a a deadbeat piece of shit, but that's just me. Sorry to talk ill of the dead. Um, But anyways, Clara's like, no, you have to. She needs you. And especially from her losing a father, you know, so young. She knows how important it is. At six. At six. So so they get together as a family and it's great right Mm -hmm. they get married on valentine's day yes of 1992 that's right super super romantic i wrote well it was seemingly the perfect marriage and i wrote the actor is kissing up on her a lot what the fuck and you can tell she's kind of like uncomfortable in in my oh in your your reenactment the actor playing david is making the actress playing clara uncomfortable that's my reading i'm sure you're right i'm sure you're right but they were told to improv you can tell oh no you can't improv a reenactment oh and they do okay well i'm gonna have to check this one out not great so they get married on valentine's day of 1992 and they hold the reception at the nassau bay hilton that's right. And it's a beautiful wedding. And by all accounts, they are the perfect couple. Mm-hmm. And in fact, right across the street from the Hilton is like the Space Center in oh, Houston. Cool. Um, or something, some part of the Space Center. Anyway, it will also become where David opens his practice called Space Center Orthodontics. Orthodontics. Amazing. And will ultimately go on to open like, I think... At least one more. No, several more. Oh, really? Like, I want to say they said he had like 12 or something other practices. Like he was making over $30,000 a month. Wow. And that doesn't include her practice. Right. And so she had her practice. She was such a good businesswoman. She had all of her ducks in a row working their butts off. So they get married and they're, you know, they they move into like a 9,000 square foot house. In a neighborhood called Friendswood. <laughs> With a pool and a Mercedes in the garage. They also had a lake house and a house on the mountain, like a ski lodge type house. So they're doing okay, y'all. Yeah, they're doing really well. They're doing better than okay. And they have three houses. The next thing... I rent a one-bedroom apartment. I know. I rent... <laughs> but I'm also not a dentist. A three-bedroom apartment because I have children. It sucks. I'm kidding. I love them so much. I'm trying to be positive here, guys. But the quarantine and parenting is really hard. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say was, what was I going to say? 
Oh, so the only thing left on that list is to have a baby. Yeah. And she's having some trouble conceiving. So she goes through like crazy, not crazy, but she goes through a lot of fertility treatment. And, you know, any woman out there knows like when you have your period, your hormones surge and then they leave and you feel intense. But like when you take fertility stuff, it can really mess with your whole emotions. And anyways, eventually it's hormones. You're being injected with hormones. So just extra. It's extra. And that sucks. I, you know what? The things that women do are just, I mean, I know men probably sacrifice a lot, but in this case, I feel bad for the woman. So she gets pregnant with twins, twin boys, and now everything is perfect, Mm -hmm. right? She gives birth in 1998 to twin boys. So now they've got the three houses and the three kids and the perfect marriage. Like a marriage that their friends described as like, I hope one day to look at someone the way that David looks at Clara, or I hope one day to love my husband as much as Clara loves David. Right. And, and they also, like, barf, but also barf is so true, but you know, I guess good for them. Yeah. Um, I w- they also mentioned that they both loved, they were well loved at their church, mm-hmm. which always, I'm just like, okay, go ahead and be if you're a- well loved at your church. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Listen, go don't to church be, and no, enjoy yeah, it. But no, like, I'm just saying like, don't be a schmuck. Exactly. Um, Don't disappoint all those people. Exactly. So so now she's working a lot. She's trying to take care of her family. It's very important to her. Again, maybe a little like... Too important. A little too OCD. Yeah, like just too many things going on. And so apparently she's, you know, just had twins. Her body's not the same as what it used to be. Fuck you, David. Again, I agree. Yep. So yeah, I wrote here, they seem to have a perfect marriage, but whether it was a midlife crisis or his wife no longer being as desirable as he'd once found her, or that she just wasn't paying enough attention to him because she was busy having her own dental practice and raising their three kids and uh, taking care of the house and stuff. In 2002, David starts having an affair. Shocking, I know. Didn't see it coming. With a receptionist in his office named Gail Bridges. Right. And like, be more of a cliche, So now, can I take you through some of the suburban madness? Um, Yes, please. Okay. (laughs) So Gail was a petite, pretty 39-year-old mother of three. And she started working at Space Center Orthodontics after going through a really messy divorce. And you guys, like the messiest of all divorces. I can't even. So just Tell me stay it. with me on okay. this. Gail was married to Stephen Bridges, who was a State Farm agent. I don't know why they felt the need to tell me that. (laughs) During their divorce proceedings, Stephen accused Gail of having a lesbian relationship with her best friend, Julie Knight. Julie was married to Charles Knight, who also accused his wife of having a lesbian affair with Gail during their divorce proceedings. Now, neither husband was able to present definitive proof of a sexual relationship between Gail and Julie. And the ladies divorced. They had the same divorce lawyer, which just, I loved that. I'm like, you guys went in deep. You were like, we're not lesbians, but we will hire the same vicious woman to attack both of you stupid husbands. (laughs) So the women's divorce lawyer states in a court filing that the men invented this relationship as a means to divert attention away from their own misdeeds, which in Steve's case was alcohol and prescription drug abuse. And in Charles's case was an extramarital affair with Lori Wells, who also was a good friend of Julie and Gail from their Lamaze class they'd all taken together this alleged lesbian affair gave um the clara david gail love triangle an added when it everything went down so it was salacious and i'm really sorry i just poofed so hard in that microphone (laughs) that's gonna hurt some ears so and this story really gained some traction in the media um 
after footage of Gail and Julie donning wigs and glasses and appearing on Sally, Jesse, Raphael in a segment called My Husband Spies on Me. What? Yeah. All right. So basically, I've jumped way ahead, as you can see. This all comes out after the death of David Harris, who oh. he's who she was having the affair with. But I wanted to just kind of let you know that that was what was going on in the mistress's life leading up to becoming a single woman again and starting to have a relationship with a man she knew to be married. Um, and then I wrote down, because I'm so funny, I feel like I write this like I plan on reading it instead of just <laughs> using it as a reference point. But I'm like, how are all of these things connected? Aside from the fact that Gail Bridges um, can... Wait, what? What did I write? Aside from the fact that Gail Bridges... Um, I do not have any idea what I've written here. So ignore that. I didn't write it to read it to you. <laughs> so how are these connected? Her name is Bobby Baca. Oh, yeah. And she owns Blue Moon Investigations, the Houston suburbs' most prominent private investigative agency. So Bobby was hired by Stephen Bridges and Charles Knight to tail their wives and let them know if they were lovers. After following the women who were going shopping and nothing else, um, the only thing that she said that maybe could have been anything was at one point in the car, it looked like their two heads, like, kind of came close to each other, but they could have been laughing or whispering something. They weren't like making out in a car. Right. So um, Bobby tells Stephen and Charles that their wives acted like Betty and Wilma from the Flintstones. She did not get any indication that there was something sexual going on between the two of them. According to Bobby, Charles asked her to inflame the part of their heads coming together in the car um, to make it seem worse than it was. And um, Bobby just said, you're stupid uh, women can be close and hug and laugh and whisper and doesn't mean they're fucking. Right. And she filed the case away. Then in the summer of 1999, Julie and Gail show up at Bobby's office and explain that their husbands are trying to use a fake lesbian affair between the two of them to force them to take less than their fair share in the divorce settlements. So Julie now hires Bobby to track her husband, Charles. Gail ends up backing out at the last minute and doesn't ultimately hire Bobby. But um, Bobby's PI firm discovered in this hiring Charles's affair with the lady's longtime Lamaze class friend, Lori Wells. These three couples who had once all been really good friends, like spent holidays together, drank champagne every New Year's Eve together, were now each heading to divorce court. <sighs> The divorces were contentious. In one heated court exchange, Gail and Julie accused Charles and Steve of taping their phone calls and then editing the conversation together so it would appear that the two were exchanging sexually suggestive conversations. Both men ended up being indicted on felony charges of illegal wiretapping. Oh, my God. So by late 2001, everyone was officially divorced. Gail, who won custody of the two youngest children, had moved into a small house and started working at Dr. David Harris's Space Center Orthodontics. Now, some say Gail set her sights on David and like was, that was her plan. It was like, I'm going to steal you away and I'm going to return to my former suburban life. And I want three houses and I want to live like where I used to live instead of living in a small little house and working as a receptionist. Others say that David was having a midlife crisis, but never really had any intention of leaving his wife for this woman. But mm. either way, by April of 2002, the two are in a full-blown love affair. An affair they did a really lousy job of hiding from their co-workers. Yeah, I know. They said David had a narcissistic streak and a wandering eye. Yeah. So maybe he had always done it? I don't maybe. know. Maybe. And then other people described the how wife never knew. that Gail, Gail would like, when she would drop something or open a file, instead of like bending down like a normal person, she would like 
bend and snap it, you know, she'd like stick <laughs> yeah. her ass out and like wiggle it at him and stuff. But everyone's seeing this. And finally a coworker is like, yo, uh-uh. I'm going to tell your wife unless you come clean and you tell her. So. I mean, I feel like with Gail, some, one of the coworkers, the one who eventually does call mm-hmm. uh, Clara should have said, listen, he's married because apparently he tells her that they're get, they're already in divorce. They're separated that Clara oh. and David are separated and that they're on their way to divorce. So that's the hard thing with these like um, cheating on stuff. Right. Because you don't, I mean, what does the mistress know? We don't actually know what she knows. And so, yeah. I mean, maybe she was a shitty person. Yeah. Maybe was she like, was, I'm or maybe he it. was lying to her, yeah. you know, but so, he seems like kind of a C-U-N-T. Yeah. It was Wednesday, July 17th of 2002 when David sits down with Clara and confesses confesses to all of the secret lunches at Perry's restaurant and nights at the very same Hilton hotel where they held their wedding reception. Question. I mean, that is such bullshit. But question, why would he ever have to work late as an orthodontist? Yeah, person, I'm assuming that when you have like, like your paperwork, maybe paperwork. Um, yeah, I'm sure he could come up with something. But I also she was probably really busy with yeah. the kids, her own work and all that stuff and was like, Yeah, you're working late. We'll see you when you get home. But I just want to me- repeat that he would bring this woman to the hotel where he and his wife held their wedding reception. That was the hotel of all the hotels he could have picked what to a, to do this in. What a good Christian boy. He was like, let's go back. That place was great. We had a great time there. Oh so after he confesses all of this, Clara becomes hysterical, rightfully so. And the two drive over to the office where Clara confronts and fires Gail. Um, And apparently, according to friends of Gail's, Clara continued to call and harass and threaten Gail for several days after she found out about Mm -hmm. the affair. And she's devastated, right? She quits eating, loses 10 pounds. She marches into the office of a plastic surgeon. Wait, before this, there's some very important information. Oh, yeah. So he, she is talking, this is the, I think the day before he goes, she goes into and fires Gail. So her and David are talking and she's hysterical, like you said. And she's like, what can I do? What can I do to make this better? And he gives her a list of things, basically saying that her body wasn't where it used to be. She he doesn't she doesn't pay attention to him. She doesn't he doesn't get attention from her. And then like so she writes everything down, lists it out. And Holy because, shit! Yeah, because she's also a person who I don't know. I mean, maybe slightly on I don't know. Some she had some issue where she was compulsive. She was compulsive, and she didn't under. I mean, the, what real love is? We can talk about that in a, in a minute. But I think so. I'm just gonna divert for one second. Yeah. Have you guys have you seen Frozen two? I have actually. Yes. I love it so much. Okay, and I've watched it many, many times. But there's a part where um, Anna has been doing all this stuff, and she's trying to get. And spoiler alert! But she's trying to get um, them to break the bridge down or whatever. And her man, the part. Oh God, who's the one who? Stefan. Steph. Stefan. Yes. Olaf. Not Olaf. <laughs> but he comes to her, and he's. She's like, I forget what she says, but he goes, "My love is not fragile." And I love that line because that's that's what good that's what true love should be. Like a love, a marriage should be with two people where my love isn't fragile. Like just because you gain some weight, 
I'm, right, you know, I'm not gonna stop loving you. I know. Okay, so I know that was a weird. No, no, because I, but I, he's just such a schmuck. So she writes it down, and because of all of this, then she goes immediately gets um lipo. She's she gets a trainer. She stops eating. Mm-hmm. She goes tanning. She puts down money to get breast implants. She buys real slutty outfits, and that's so not like her. Mm-hmm. So she's wearing. She's being more provocative. She wants to be that sexual object that he's been apparently longing for. And also just talk to your partner. Like yeah. if you're having an issue, just talk to your partner. Just, Sorry. And just let them know like, hey, I'm feeling neglected by you. And instead of uh, having sex with the woman who answers the phone at my office, maybe we could talk about it. And yeah. then we could like start to mend those wounds. But anyway, Clara becomes determined to win the love and I wrote lust of yeah. her motherfucker of a husband. Right. Um, a few days later, the couple... And by the couple, I mean David and Clara returned to the office holding hands. And David apparently said to a friend, we're going to make it. But by Monday of the following week, or sorry, not but, by Monday of the following week. So he told her, he came clean about all of this on Wednesday the 17th. So the following Monday, they sit down with David's parents and his 16-year-old daughter, Lindsay. And they tell them everything. And per David's father, this was really a time when the healing had begun. But as part of his healing process, David tells Clara that he needs to sit down with Gail at a restaurant, apologize, tell her what happened wasn't her fault, and get some closure. Clara, desperate to hold on to her husband, reluctantly agrees to this. And she may have told him it was totally cool, yes, take her to a restaurant, have your closure, but the trust was gone, you guys. So she flips through the yellow pages and sees an ad that reads, need a clue? Call Blue. And on Tuesday, July 3rd, Clara now enters Bobby Baca's office. She needs someone to follow her husband the following evening. She explained the situation and filled out the um, paperwork. She wrote down the mistress's full name as Belinda Gale Thompson Bridges. And Bobby, who only kind of glanced at it, did not make the connection at the time. And she assigned 25-year-old Lindsay Dubeck, who was a criminal justice major and a part-time private investigator, to tail David when he was going to have dinner with Gale the next day night so Lindsay. all right do you have anything to add no mm-mm. so Lindsay hops in her car that next evening drives to the space center orthodontics and waits for david to come out and get in his car and she starts to follow him but david doesn't go to perry's instead i hate him so much yeah. he drives back over to that that hilton that that nassau hilton where he had his wedding reception and he meets gail in the hotel restaurant Now, Lindsay could not get close enough to hear what they were saying, but per friends of Gail's, what was apparently said was that David was crying and distraught and didn't want to end their relationship and said that they could figure out a way to continue to to keep seeing each other in secret. And then Gail was like, no fucking way. I'm not going to keep doing this if you're going to stay married. And then Gail gets up and walks out of the restaurant. David follows her and no one knows what was said, but somehow whatever he said to her outside in the parking lot, changed her mind, and the two return to the hotel and pull out a wad of cash and get themselves a room. So Lindsay has now positioned herself in her car um, to watch David's car and the entrance to the hotel. Then she pulls out a video camera so that she can capture the couple when they come out. She sits and she waits. But isn't at this point, uh, doesn't Clara call and ask where they That's, are. Yep, we're getting okay, to that part. Because I was going to say, that is also where I feel like the PI agency didn't do a great job. No, no. So Mm-mm. little does she know, though, Lindsay, at this point, um, that the Mercedes that just pulled into the parking lot 
was driven by the woman who'd hired her. And along for the ride was her 16-year-old stepdaughter, also bad move, Clara. Basically, yeah. Clara could not relax. The minute like the office day ended or whatever and she knew this dinner was going to happen, she just couldn't, she didn't believe, she didn't trust him. She was wise. Um, so she drives to Perry's to check like and spy on them. And they're not there. She drives to another restaurant that she remembers David mentioning he had taken Gail to because apparently he really just gave her all the dirty details. She then, he, they're not at that restaurant. She drives to Gail's house. They're not there. So she calls the private investigative um, office and I believe it's Bobby's husband who answers, who then calls Lindsay, not Lindsay, sorry. What did I say her name was? Oh yeah, Lindsay. Lindsay is also the name of the PI and the stepdaughter. And she tells, Lindsay tells Lucas that she is outside of this hotel. And then Lucas tells Clara this. Which, not smart. Don't do that. So she hightails it over to the Hilton Hotel. She spots Gail's car. She gets out of the car. She smashes her taillights and keys the car. And then she and Lindsay walk into the lobby. They ask, like, what room is David Harrison? And they're like, we have no David Harris here because they used fake names and paid cash. So the, the girls, the stepdaughter... So David's daughter, Lindsay, and his wife, Clara, decide they have a plan. They both call him from their cell phones and say that one of the twin boys is sick and they need him to come home right away. And then they wait. And a few minutes later, David and Gail walk off the elevator. And then I'm guessing the reenactments in this part was so amazing. I mean, it was pretty hilarious. And actually kind of sad, too, because you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, he, she, like, beats her down. And Clara rips her shirt off. And bites her mm-hmm. and punches her in the head a couple of times. Yep, screams at her. He's my husband. He's my husband. And then doesn't Lindsay, this daughter, is like hitting her dad yeah. and being like, I hate you, dad. I hate yeah. you. Because he had, he had like confessed to her and his parents with Clara about the affair and swore he was going to stop it. So he really sucks, you guys. And he also told her that like he reaffirmed their marriage and love oh, yeah. at the end of her like list that she's been working on. Mm-hmm. So the woman is starving, by the way. Clara's hungry and pissed in her. She's just, hangry. She's, and she just caught her lying, cheating husband who swore he was ending his relationship and was only going to go tell the mistress that it, none of yeah. this was her fault and he didn't want her to hate herself, but really he was just going to have sex with her some more. Yeah. So of course the hotel staff has to intervene and they escort Clara and Lindsay out of the hotel. Yeah. And up to this point, I've, I'm like, sadly, but I'm on Clara's side. I'm like, yeah, not that I would want to hurt anybody, but I would be like, I think I want to beat the shit out of the person. The Just woman how and dare husband, you? Honestly, I, would wanna, like, I would want to beat the shit out of both of them because yeah. it was obviously a confrontation had already taken place between the three of them in the office when she fired her. Yeah. And so it's not like... Gail, in this moment, doesn't understand the scenario. Right. She does know. And so she, she is just been. as culpable as David yeah. in this situation. And then, of course, David's even worse because he lied to his daughter and his parents and, like, his whole family about all of it. And mm. now his 16-year-old's witnessing something I mean, no one should so ever... I mean, it's so bad. Yeah. But I will say, because she, when you hear of somebody biting someone... Oh, that's bad. I feel like that you are out of control. Yeah, I'm you, not saying, like, don't hit anybody ever, but, like... But if you bite someone and tear their clothes like off Like, she's them, out of her mind. Yeah. She's out of her mind. They talk... She talks about later how she felt like she was in, like, a fugue state. Yeah, and she's hungry. And that I, can honestly, make you crazy. It really can. And I do think, like, with her perfection like everything is her world was crumbling mm-hmm. around her yep. so she was grasping oh my god yeah so hotel security has escorted them out and then 
a few like minutes after that, P.I. Lindsay sees Gail and David kind of frantically come out of the entrance, the front door of the hotel. So she starts rolling tape on that video camera. And then moments later, she hears the roar of an engine and sees the flash of a Mercedes. And then David Harris's body is flying through the air, 25 feet. And then the car turns around and runs over him again. And then the daughter of David kind of like either jumps out or like falls out of the car screaming, stop, stop, stop. And then the car backs over him a third time. Oh, wow. And then the women both get out of the car. Lindsay is hysterical, screaming, shrieking. And then Clara, yeah, she killed my dad. And then Clara seemingly comes back back from her fugue state and like actually cradles him. And she's like, I love you. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you. I love you. Right. She tries to resuscitate him. Uh huh. And that um, videotape from the private investigator that Clara hired to follow her husband will be the star witness yeah. for the prosecution's case in the murder trial. So that's kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, she also hit, apparently she had also hit Gail's leg and Gail to this day still has issues with her leg. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, Gail. Um, so yeah, so they go to trial and it's interesting because I read a couple of different things about like Texas justice isn't the same as regular justice. And so there were several people that thought she might just get like probation because people were going to be like the motherfucker deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately the video, she doesn't just hit him one time. <laughs> Right, she does donuts on him. She, like she literally does donuts on him, and so between Lindsay's testimony and the videotape, that does not happen. She does not get probation. Um, but the defense's kind of, I guess, excuse is um, it's called sudden passion, mm. which means that like it's it's not like a. I guess it's kind of like temporary insanity, but it's yeah. related to things like passionate things. Crime. Passion. Um, so the jury was made up of nine women and three men. And I was like, way to go defense attorney. But yeah. she's still convicted and um, sentenced to 20 years. But what's interesting about all of this is that David's family, like, stood by her, forgave her, said they understood how in this, like, moment of losing herself, that she did a horrible thing that she didn't mean to do. And they did not want her to serve any jail time. They wanted her to raise those twin boys, you know, and teach them all about their dad and how much she loved him. And anyway, it didn't work, didn't work out for her. She ends up being convicted and sentenced to 20 years. She's not going to serve 20 years though. No, she gets out after 15 years. Yeah, she's out, yo. And her kids are raised not by the grandparents, by a neighbor, neighbor person. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, especially since the grandparents stood by her. I think something went down. Yeah. Maybe they changed their minds. And then later on, I think they sued her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's very upsetting. And the boys would come and visit her. Every every, month. Every month, Mm -hmm. yeah. Which I think is good. And there's a video of her, like, getting out of prison after 15 years. And, you know, she's, she's like an older woman at this point. But guess what? She spent her time in jail translating books to um, Braille. Yeah, for blind people. Yeah. So I feel like... This is such an interesting, it's so interesting that we picked this story, right? Because what she did was wrong and unequivocally wrong. And she did it, what makes it even more wrong in my mind is that she did it in the presence of his child. And, um, agreed. You know, like you're the grown up here. This 16 year old girl 
You should never have brought her to begin with. But then when she starts screaming at you to stop killing her dad, you need to stop. Yeah. Um, but also, God, I get it. I get it. But also to be... It's it's hard not because it has to be a temporary insanity because you if you realize that you're going to lose your entire life like mm-hmm. your dental practice like she cannot practice anymore right she didn't raise her children so the she lost it all yeah she lost it all which so that's is the thing. ironically like the one thing she didn't want to have happen so she ruined her own life really yeah. but I also I'm just going to say it again I kind of get it like yeah he sucks so hard. No, no one ever deserves to be murdered, ever, 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 ever. No. But you know what? You deserve to, I don't know, have something bad happen to you if well, you do what you did. Yeah, and just to be so cruel, cruel yeah. in, you know, you you aren't sexy to me anymore. And that's why it's okay that I cheated on you. Yeah. Because you're not sexy enough anymore. Like, whew. It's just stupid. Anyway, I feel like this has been a really good primer for something we have in the works for the future. I know. Um, But that is the crazy story of Clara and David Harris that ended up having a weird side story that I thought was equally crazy. That side story is nuts. I had no idea. I know. Gail, you salacious Like, Gail's life is a Jerry Springer episode. Like, top to bottom, even before she got involved in this one. Yeah. Uh, Maybe she likes the drama. I mean, it for sure seems that way. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, my God. Yeah, okay, so I just, but it's hard because I was seriously like pissed at Adam, even though my husband would never, ever dare say anything like that to me. Yeah, my, I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. I would maybe run over James with my car. (laughs) You know what though? I think I would go play the long game by slowly ruining everyone's life. Yeah. And then getting away like the jackal. I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't. The long game is where it's at. I wouldn't be stupid and ruin my life. I would ruin whoever else's life. Yes. And maybe that's the moral of the story. If someone (laughs) does you wrong, don't react in a way that ruins your life. Just ruin theirs. Just ruin their lives. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. Thank you so much. And on that note, please subscribe, uh, like, and share our stuff out there, guys. Yes. And we are, like I like we said a couple times, but we're super stoked to offer you our season two coming up in mm-hmm. the fall. That's right. We got a few more episodes to go in season one, but season two is going to be fun and not a little, not different, different, no. but just like still crime is a passion. Guys. It's going to be totally rom crimey. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.